Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We are available in over 30 countries from across the planet each week according to PodTrack.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Miami Marlins, winning the series two games to one. News out of Fenway, Eduardo Rodriguez uh, flew to Boston this week for a checkup on his myocarditis as a result of his COVID-19 complications. The results of his checkup are not known at this time, but manager Ron Renneke says Erod is doing very well. News from around the league, twin slugger Josh Donaldson became the perhaps the first player in MLB history for being ejected after hitting a home run. As he came around the home plate, he kicked dirt across the plate and was immediately ejected. Donaldson was still heated from a blown strike call earlier in that same at-bat. The League and Players Association have agreed to terms on a bubble format for the MLB playoffs. The ALDS and wildcard games will be played in San Diego and L.A., The NLDS will be played in Arlington, Texas, and Houston, Texas, along with those wildcard games. Then the ALCS will be in San Diego. The NLCS will be in Arlington, Texas, as well as the World Series. So the Texas Rangers' new stadium will be on full display this October. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from... Lewiston, Maine, and I am joined tonight from Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm good. Uh, It's hard to believe we only have, what, like a little over a week left of Red Sox baseball, and then then I go into full-on Yankees troll mode. So, yeah, (laughs) it's uh, it's weird that the season's uh, coming to a close pretty soon. Unfortunately, they are uh, looking to be in playoff form. So well for now, yeah, for now, yeah, and they're out of that eight seed too for the moment as well. Uh, so they won't have to play Tampa, but we'll see. We'll we'll be getting into them quite a bit in the coming shows. Uh, also joining us tonight uh, from the Mile High City of Denver, by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. How are you? 
I'm in a mood, Terry. We're 45 <laughs> minutes removed from the Celtics blowing a 17 damn point lead. Ah, this, this is a tough night. The wrong Boston team has lost to Miami twice now in the last several nights. Well, from now on, you know, if the Sox win, the, the Celtics aren't looking too good. And... Yeah, they did the same thing with Toronto, too. Like, the Sox were beating the Blue Jays when the Celtics were losing to the Raptors. It's like, let's get on the same page. Come on, it shouldn't be that hard. You know, what are the Red Sox thinking? They need to tank for the Celtics. But... Yeah, yeah. And Kumar. <laughs> and Kumar. Yeah, that actually is more, well, I shouldn't say more important. I do I do root on all of the Boston teams, except the Patriots, but we won't get into that. Uh, all right, so we do kind of have an action-packed show, um, so we're going to try to get it done in a, in a decent amount of time. No, no technical issues tonight, I don't think, for the audience, so you should be able to listen to it all in one episode I uh, did some maintenance on my laptop, and that should not happen again. Lesson learned. Uh, Getting right into studs and duds, Andrew, you are leading off tonight. Who was your stud for the Marlins series? For me, this wasn't even hard. It was Tanner Houck. You come up, you make a major league debut like that. I mean, that was something special. He got a welcome to the big leagues video filmed by Max Scherzer right before Nice good shout-out on Twitter for him. And then he comes out and punches out five guys, or seven guys in five innings and makes them look foolish. Um, he's got some Pitching Ninja videos out there on Twitter right now. So if you missed any of the breakdowns of that performance, it was crazy. His front-door slider was absolutely absurd. Uh, guys didn't know what to do with it. He took all the momentum he gained at the alternative site down in Pawtucket and brought it to Fenway, uh, or, well, Miami, and it was awesome to watch. It was a glimpse to what could be your fourth starter next year. And one thing that impresses me about him is, you know, he kind of talks himself up, you know, and he, he had, a beat writer had quoted him, I think it was Christopher Smith, where Hulk told him that, Eventually, they would look back at the 2017 draft, the Red Sox would, and say, we drafted the right guy. Or, or we actually, we drafted the best player, is what he said. And I, I don't know who was in that draft with him, but I mean, if he ends up being a stud, it's not going to matter. So, and, and then the nice thing about all that is, is he goes out on the mound and he backs it up. So... Yeah, love to see that. And if he develops a third pitch over the off season, watch out, because right now he's just obviously fastball slider, but he's young. Like you said, twenty seventeen draft. If he's doing this already, give him time, develop that changeup, and then watch out. Yeah, the changeup's been a big pitch uh, this year for a lot of people. You know, a lot of pitchers have been, you know, working on that and featuring it, and and so you're right. If he can add something like that, then yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I, you know, I, I, I don't see why he's not going to be on the, uh, you know, the opening day roster. Not necessarily the starter, but you know, he'll, he'll probably be yeah in the rotation. They have to if they have to manipulate anything, he'll be up week two. Who cares? Bring him up. I want that kid in. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, thoughts on Hauk? Yeah, I thought he looked really good. Um, I really like. That, that slider, Andrew, you're right, it's nasty. It, it's He's got a really good slider. It's a plus slider. 
Um, I do want him to develop another pitch because Renicky admitted just, you know, as much like they asked him, why did he start against the Marlins? Not necessarily against the Rays. And Renicky said, well, if we put him in against the Rays, Kevin Cash might have batted nine left-handers against him, um, <laughs> which is true. Kevin Cash would totally do that. So he is, I think, vulnerable to left-handed hitters. That is still a concern. Um, so that third pitch is going to be key. If he can develop that changeup and he finds a way to get left-handers out, then absolutely this guy should be slotted in towards the back end of your rotation next year. Um, and you know, if he starts the year in the minors, I don't think he'll stay there very long. So it's just a matter of what can he do over the off season and into spring training to help develop that third pitch and become more of a well well-rounded pitcher. Cause I think right now the, the lefty matchup is a concern, but overall I liked what I saw and this is exactly what you want as a Red Sox fan. This is the kind of thing you, you want to see, you know, uh, as we head towards the end of the season here, you want to see a 24-year-old kid come up and show you that he's got good stuff because um, that's what they need going forward. So I'm impressed. I, I want to see more of him, but I do think that there is still some stuff he needs to work on for sure. Yeah, and if anyone out there hasn't seen his slider against Miguel Rojas, who is arguably the Marlins' best player, um, do yourself a favor. Go just, you know, Put it on Twitter. You'll get a little clip of it. It's dirty, and Rojas hates himself after uh, after it blows right by him. Yeah, he throws him on probably the last time he faced him before being taken out, didn't he? I think. Oh yeah, him. it was like. And then what Rojas does, you know, like when you hit a really crappy uh, drive off the tee and you just swing your club down with one hand. That's exactly what he did right after. Right. <laughs> Another impressive thing, too, was Alcantara, you know, out of the Marlins rotation, also pitched, uh, you know, a great game as well. So it was a bit of a pitcher's duel while they were both in there, and Mm -hmm. that still didn't seem to rattle Houck either. You know, he still, you know, he still did his thing. And uh, the the one thing I I would like to mention, just because I feel like it's my job, um... Vasquez was catching him, and I don't know if it was Steve Lyons. It was one of the the guys in the post game show on Nesson questioned whether the the pitch calling was as good as it could have been, um, because his pitch count did kind of get up there relatively quickly, and that's just a concern that I have with Vasquez. So. I'd kind of like to see him. I'm assuming he's going to make at least one more start. I haven't l- glanced at the preview yet, uh, you know, ahead of he's that. Playing. Yeah, he's definitely getting uh, the Yankees this weekend. Is I think he? it's Sunday. Okay. I'd love to see Ploiecki catch him just to see if there's any difference, maybe a little bit better chemistry. And that's going to be – we'll get into it in the last segment, but that, that's going to be a really interesting uh, test for him. Uh, all right, so uh, Jason, your stud for the series. I went with Rafi Devers. Um, Devers was a guy that I was concerned about in the first month of the season because he really he got off to an awful start, and he was one of these guys that I thought, okay, Cora's gone, and now the the team's off to a slow start. Is he going to check out? You know, there were some uh, weight concerns, uh, physical concerns. Heading into the year, um, this last month, he's looked like the old Rafi Devers. And, you know, maybe he's not he's not going to have the chance to put up the monster numbers that he did last year. 
but the swing looks better. Um, he hit a home run tonight that was a classic Rafi Devers home run where it was just a, a pitch low in the zone, and he just golfed it. And that's what he's best at. You throw a pitch low in the zone, most hitters either just leave it or you know they chop it foul or something. Devers can can get you know under it and send it 450 feet, and uh, that's what he did today. So he's looked really good. Um, his defense has stabilized as well. So you know at the end of the year, his defensive stats won't look great because I think he's got 10 errors right now. So that's a lot for a 60 game season, but. He had three alone in one game. That was the the seventeen to eight blowout against uh, Tampa Bay, where they just killed us. And he made three errors in that game alone. So that obviously inflated things. But he hasn't made an error since September second. So he's been really steady over there. He's just looked much more well rounded and looks like the old Rafi Devers. So that's a great sign because again, you know, at this point you're looking for what can you build around. We were talking about. Tanner Houck, you know, just previously to this, that's a guy you can build around. Hopefully, Devers and Bogarts, they're also guys you can build around. So, Devers looks like his old self, looks like he's going to continue to just get better and better. So, been really impressed with him this last these last couple of weeks. He's having a strong end to his season. And he looks like he's having a great time out there. And if you get him to that point, it just seems like everything else falls in. And he just fires on all cylinders. And Eckersley said, I think it was uh, in game one of the series, or maybe it was game two, actually. He had a, no, my bad. I got my notes mixed up. I was looking at Verdugo. But Eckersley basically said, he's back, you know, basically, you know, from from last year's form. And, uh, you know, he just looks phenomenal. But, Andrew, your thoughts on Devers? Yeah, Devers is turning around. Um, I was looking up Verdugo's stats earlier because I knew he was high in the AL uh, batting race for average-wise. And all of a sudden, I saw Devers at 12, and that just blew my mind based off of how he started. You know, like he's come around. Absolutely, he's come around. And I didn't realize it was that strongly. And honestly, the 11 home runs kind of snuck up on me too. So yeah, it went for a, oh my God, this is a lost year to another great year. I can't, can't really ask him to do much more. Uh, uh, like Jason said, the fielding, you, you don't notice him. He's like a left tackle in football. Like the less you hear his name, the better it is when the ball's hit to him. So yeah, I'm happy to see him succeed. And um, I'm sure his price tag is just going up for this off season. Yeah, they're stupid if they don't if they don't try to lock him up, and I think he's perfectly willing to. But I, his batting average is two ninety three presently, so he's if he continues this pace, he's gonna be above three at the uh, start of the year. So um, at, at by the end of the year, excuse me. And so every, everything on paper is, is starting to look really good for him, you know, like you guys mentioned. Um, all right. And, uh, oh, so I guess I'm up. I'm, I can't, can't believe I'm going with this guy, but because, um, you know, he's he's been basically my personal punching bag, you know, last year into this year. But um, I'm going with Ryan Brazier. Uh, I think it's about time, you know, somebody finally uses him in this segment as a stud. 
He did have two appearances in the series, uh, each one inning apiece. Uh, gave up only one hit out of the two appearances, uh, no walks, and uh, got a strikeout in each game. And in his last 14 appearances since August 14th, he's got a 0.60 ERA. 0.60. And he's really only had two bad outings. The 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 game before that streak started, he did give up uh, three runs to the Yankees. And then in his first appearance of the year, he gave up three runs to the Orioles. So take away those two, you know, bad outings. And he's having a stud season <laughs> out of the bullpen, basically. So um, go ahead. That just makes me so mad. Imagine if he did this at the beginning of the year, what we could have got for him true I, yeah yeah but we might need him who you can never have too much depth no no that's fine i know yeah we, uh, t- we talked just, about it in the last show i think he has pitched his way into next year's bullpen absolutely he's added like two miles an hour to his fastball somehow i don't care how he did it but he's done it so yeah yeah he might be peeing in some cups but uh you know <laughs> in, the, in the meantime he's yeah he's doing good um Jason, thoughts on Frazier? Yeah, I, it, I'm, I'm with Andrew. I'm pissed because <laughs> I didn't want him to pitch his way into the bullpen next year. I wanted him to be gone. I, I was hoping that this would be the last that we ever had to see Ryan Brazier, but he's had a good finish. And, you know, barring anything uh, catastrophic, he's going to end the year with some pretty good numbers. And, yeah, he's going to make the case for saying, hey, you know, bring him back on a – you know, on a cheap money kind of deal, and he'll go right back into that bullpen. Unfortunately, so look, you know, I haven't I haven't been a Brazier fan much like yourself. Um, he he annoys the hell out of me. Um, I still think he's a li- more of a liability in that bullpen than anything else. I think if you do bring him back, his numbers are going to plummet again next year. But you know, at this point, he's going to be what thirty three next season so Jesus, is he that really that old yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure yeah he's, he's gonna be 33 so at this point just run him into the ground get as much as you can out of him and then that's <laughs> it yeah right just get whatever you can out of him at this point yeah, he had i to... love it it's like a running back on his last year of a deal when you know you're not gonna <laughs> sign 300 carries here you go ryan <laughs> yep i think we have him i don't have his uh you know, salary arbitration thing in front of me, but I think he's controllable for at least another two or three years. Um, not saying he's going to pitch for us all that time, but you know, we've got the control if we want it. Um, but I, I've got no issues with his character. And I mean, he was good in 2018. I just thought he was a flash in the pan and it made perfect sense. I mean, how often do you, strike gold on a guy who's basically 30 years old and has no real past history of success. So it just made perfect sense that he was a flash in the pan. He wasn't good last year, was shaky to start this year, and then has been phenomenal the last month. And getting into some honorable mentions because it's very bullpen heavy this week, Dylan Covey in the first game, had a two-inning appearance, didn't give up a single hit, 
uh, didn't walk anybody. Struck out two. Matt Barnes recorded two saves. Uh, gave up one hit in one of them. Uh, no hits in the other. He didn't walk anybody in either appearance. Got a strikeout each time. So, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at here is a lot of these guys are improving. And I think I think Dave Bush is having an impact here. I really do. I It would be a huge coincidence if all these guys just suddenly turned it around all on their own without some type of coaching, some type of analytical guidance, you know, based on the, you know, the hardcore stuff. I just think, I think the Red Sox are are figuring out for the first time ever, probably how to really, you know, really get a pitching staff all dialed in. Yeah. And let's not, let's make sure we don't stiff, uh, high and bloom here too i know fans hate them um basic fans just because you know oh mookie's gone and all that but you know he's found some guys don't get mad at him for having to you know pitch three openers because he was working with a negative budget going into the year and we're finding guys like valdez and covey and all these guys so you know good for him um it's only going to make our bullpen stronger for next year since Hernandez isn't even in there this season. And Taylor even. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got to wonder too, if maybe like guys, you know, the, the veterans like Barnes and Brazier, if someone maybe whispered in there and said, Hey, you know, you guys might be competing to be the starter or the, the closer, sorry, at the start of next season. Um, you know, that's assuming that they don't want to go out and find somebody or bloom doesn't want to go and, trade for someone so maybe that's kind of lit a fire under them a little bit and especially Barnes because you know Barnes is going to be 32 as well he's he's right up there as well so he's probably looking at it going hey I, you know my window is closing and if you know if I can pitch well enough and convince them that I can be the closer to start next season then that would be great for him so yeah. I wonder if that plays into it at all yeah, you know how good saves look going into contract disputes and arbitration hearings? Like, oh, absolutely. You know, it's like going – it's free money. You pitch the ninth, you add a couple million dollars to your salary every year because that's what's going to happen. Even if you don't deserve it, they're going to see those numbers. Your agent's going to use those numbers. Boom. I really think we have the pieces in-house to have a very serviceable bullpen going forward next year. I mean, could they, you know, we'll talk about it in a little bit because Bloom says we're going to go get pitching, but like an Alex Colme type guy, or, I mean, if you want to shoot for the moon, Blake Trinan, those guys are probably going to be available. So, Maybe they do bring in one guy to kind of really have that one-two punch with Darwin's in, but I just I, I feel really good about our bullpen, and I feel really good about whatever they're doing. They can just go get maybe another Phillips Valdez type guy, and it's just it's really exciting, you know, for for the pitching nerds to to see what's happening right now. I feel like. And, you know, with Hauk coming up and, you know, I don't know if Mata will be ready next year, probably the the year after at at the latest. But 
Um, but yeah, we're going to finally, we're not used to this. Like I said a few shows ago, we haven't developed an ace. We haven't drafted one that we ended up having homegrown since 02 with Lester. So mm. all of our other top pitching, you know, people have been via trade or, or free agents. So Well, and, and I feel like relief pitchers are, I don't want to say the easiest to find, but it's certainly, it's more manageable to find relievers that give you a couple of good years. And if there's anyone who can do that, it's Heim Bloom because he's, this is supposed to be a specialty, right? Is finding yep. guys that have been cast offs from other teams or guys who are just sort of, you know, sitting on free agency and, you know, make them into viable relievers. So, yeah, I, I completely trust Bloom in that regard. Yeah, I mean, he he built that Tampa pitching staff, which could, you know, have a pretty deep playoff run this year. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I liked the Bloom hiring. I really did. And, you know, when we were recording shows – Late last season, Dombrowski was gone in early September, you know, almost a month early. And, you know, I I said repeatedly, you know, hopefully the front office looks at Tampa. Hopefully they look at Houston. Hopefully they look at the Dodgers. And it ended up being, it ended up being Tampa with Bloom. And another friend of mine, go ahead. No, 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 finish. I, I'll, I'll go on a little tangent on that after. <laughs> well, I, I'll just wrap it up with this. I, a friend of mine who hosts another podcast asked me, he goes, what, what do you think about the Bloom hiring? And I always come across as negative, you know, and I told him, I said, I love it, and I don't love anything. <laughs> so and I knew right away mm. we weren't going to get killed with a, with a Mookie deal or – all that, you know, so it was just a big relief. But well, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I hate it because so many people hate Bloom for literally no reason other than him trading away a guy that they made him trade away. And look what he got back. Verdugo is fourth in the league in average. He's second in doubles. The guy is a stud in the outfield with a rocket arm. I mean, what more do you want him to do? We don't know what Jeter Downs can do yet, but uh, per all reports, he's doing fine. And then you got, you know, you get all these bullpen pieces, and we haven't even given him a full offseason work with an actual uh, budget. You know, right. he, he was literally in the negatives working with salary last year. How, how are you supposed to find anyone good? He came out with Martin Perez, who's been fine, and they have a, on a great deal next year. So he has done his job and then some. We got Pulawecki, uh, a catcher who's been great. What is he hitting, like 320? And then we have um, Munoz, the kid that came over from the Cardinals. There's zero complaints that should be had about High and Bloom right now, and if you have them, I'd love to hear your reasoning. That's an excellent point, and uh, don't forget Connor Wong either. And we always forget him. And I mean, if he ends up being, you know, a top ten catcher, let's say, and then Connor Wong is going to be a Brock Cole. In a few years, he's going to be more of a utility guy than around a full-time the field. You're going to see him at second, third, uh, and catching maybe like 40 games a year. Okay, yeah, I I was aware of that he he did have some infield 
um, experience. Yeah, I think but... he's like one of those guys you you don't want to put him behind the plate that many times. You're just gonna wear him down. So yeah, he's one of those one. Of, he's gonna be playing all over the field for you. Well, the, the point I'm I'm getting at is if he turns out to be very serviceable, Jeter mm-hmm. Downs ends up being, you know, a, an all star you know, perennially or, you know, just at yeah, various points. Yeah, he's on the final vote for it. That's still great. Right. And then you got Verdugo, who's raking right now, hitting 326. Wow. What I'm getting at is this could be the best trade since the Veritek derek Lowe deal in, in 97. I mean, was there a better trade? in between to be had for this absolutely not everyone knew that he was on the market they knew they had to get rid of him i mean you know he they other teams had him over the barrel and then people are pissed that he didn't take uh gratterall or whatever his name was because he throws one-on-one but doesn't know where he's going you know he he did great with this he got three prospects like just deal with it the guy literally came in made all the unpopular decisions and doesn't care is the best part to me right but yeah or go ahead jason no i was just gonna say like and and i will forever say that i don't think mookie wanted to be here i don't think i I really don't i really don't think he did now look if the red sox had done what they did with david price and they overpaid him would he have stayed yeah probably but would red sox fans have been happy with that if the if the Red Sox really gave him, you know, the most extravagant, most ludicrous contract for thirteen years to stay here in Boston, would they be happy with that? No, they wouldn't. So Red Sox fans have just become very impatient. They, you know, they cling on to players way too much. And they'll just, you know, until Bloom wins a World Series or until, you know, like or, or unless Mookie turns out to be a complete disaster in LA, which so far doesn't look like that then they're always going to criticize him. And it's just, I agree with you guys. I think he's done a really good job so far. And he's done it in a very limited time. I think with more time, he's he, he's going to really turn this thing around. Yeah, and to your first point about Mookie not wanting to be here, I don't know if you guys ever listened to the Bill Simmons podcast, but he had uh, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on uh, maybe about a month ago now. And they were talking about Mookie and, you know, Sabathia has insiders. He knows people in the game. And he was like, oh, I knew he was he, – he wanted out. He was gone. We knew he was gone like a year ago. So to hear him say that and have that, like, player's perspective um, definitely makes me more happy with the return because I was one of those people. I was like, ah, no, he wanted to be here. But, you know, he kind of peeled back the curtain a little bit and – Get a get a look backstage, and maybe he didn't. So instead of him leaving in free agency, which would have been a disaster, and getting a uh, second round pick, we got three guys. Yeah, and what I was getting at with previous trades, I mean, between the Veritech low deal and then potentially this trade, like what was a better one in between? I mean, you got sale, but I mean, uh, I I don't think that's quite. Yes, the the Beckett Lull one worked out pretty good. I mean, yeah. it worked out for everyone, but yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, st- I'm not too sure. Honestly, I still put mm. the the uh, Veritek deal above it just because we got over a decade of him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I, he, he was just so good with the pitching staff as well. Um, I heard a story that apparently the GM of the Mariners 
thought he was getting uh, Veritech and Low. He was like golfing or something <laughs> during uh. it. I I was on a podcast and uh, not too long. It was like over the over the winter, and I heard it. I was like, "Oh, that is amazing!" <laughs> One of the GMs, I don't know if it was Duquette who said it, but Veritech was referred to as uh, as a as an overweight catcher. Like du- Duquette, <laughs> I think wanted low and and got, ended up with him in an overweight catcher or something. And it's not like Veritech had any clout back then. I mean, he was basically, you know, a rookie. And so it just, it was just funny. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, his, I, he's gained a lot of weight in his face. <laughs> like, his head is, like, huge, you know, compared to what he used to. I mean, a lot of these guys fill out, you know, once they hit their, you know, mid to upper 30s. But... When I look at him, I'm like, man, what size hat does that dude wear? <laughs> I don't know, just kind of weird. But um, anyway, mm. um, in the uh, honorable mentions in the uh, lineup here, Xander Bogarts five for thirteen hits in all three games, uh, multiple hits in two out of the three. Um, looking pretty good. Uh, didn't didn't have a long ball uh, in there, but you know, just kind of doing his thing in the middle of the order. Jackie Bradley, uh, two for seven. He only played, you know, two two of the games. Drove in a run. Here's a semi impressive stat with him. He's hit in twenty three of his last twenty seven games, and he might have he might be hitting his way into center field next year. <laughs> Uh, I think. Don't tell me that. Don't <laughs> tell me do that. Let's do it. I don't know. I just, he's just quietly been kind of solid and he, he looks good at the plate. You know, you, you guys have pointed that out or the other show. He just, hey, his plate discipline is just really good and he looks comfortable and, and he's quietly just kind of, being pretty solid in the bottom third of the order. So um, I'm not saying I want him back. <laughs> I probably don't because I, I still think we're going to, you know, in a six-month season where we're looking at, you know, some painful slumps in there. But um, but I did feel like he was uh, an honorable mention. And Ploiecki uh, had a two-RBI day today um, in his only – appearance of the series so got to uh got you you gonna throw uh uh our boy verdugo in there right oh i thought somebody used him as a stud a seven for 14 for 12 back-to-back three hit games i i've got him as seven for 14 but yeah i think so yeah he had five five at bats nine at bats and then five again um Either way, <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'm I'm hu- extra human error for me. I'm like superhuman that way. So don't don't trust my stats 100. percent But uh, but yeah, the one thing I do notice about him, series after series, he racks up the hits and and scores a lot of runs, like a lot of leadoff guys do. But he does not drive in many runs uh, in the leadoff spot. And Mookie was the same way. His his MVP year, he only had 83 uh, runs driven in. So 
there's this little voice yeah. in the back of my head that just wonders like is that really where we're getting maximum production out of him or or is he I a three or four hitter? I think that has more to do with six through nine. <laughs> oh, it does, it does. But I'm just saying, like, like optimally, like, are we gonna are we gonna drive in more runs with him? You know three through five in the order. I think he's a three or four hitter at this point. I used to think he was a five or a six hole guy at the start of the year. And so I just don't know where, where you get the most out of him. And, but at the same time, who leads off if, you know, it, yeah, if, if it's better than Kenny, I'm going to be bald from whipping on my <laughs> hair by like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, like April 8th of next season. It's like, he's just, in the witness protection program or something, just not a peep. And, um, yeah. And we all knew the lead off, the lead off thing wasn't going to work. And then come to find out he just can't hit period. <laughs> he can't even be a major <laughs> leaguer, you know? So that's just kind of curious. I hope he turns it around. I, I love Ben Attendee, but, but there's some serious, uh, you know, mental stuff going on. It's all in his head is what is where it is. But, but anyway, uh, 37 minutes in, and we're just getting to the uh, duds. So let's just kind of whip right through that one. Uh, Andrew, who do you have? So, unfortunately, I got my boy Bobby Dahlbeck. I uh, couldn't really find the ball this series. Let's see. He had eight strikeouts and I think, 11 at-bats. Not great. <laughs> no. Uh, he's going to have these stretches, though, especially within the first two years of his career. Hopefully he figures it out once we finally get J.D. Martinez's favorite place on Earth back, the uh, video room. So I'm not too worried right now. He's going to run into at least five more fastballs before the uh, end of the season. Jason. Yeah, this is this is the concern I have with Dahlbeck is the strikeouts. Uh, that's that is not the kind of eight for 11 you want to see Bobby Dahlbeck uh, doing in a three game series. So yeah, he's, he's got to work on that. I don't know if it's ever really going to turn around too much. I feel like he's just, like I said, he's the walking version of three true outcomes. He's either going to walk, strike out or home run. And he has, he's not walking actually. So um, hopefully the power continues to be there and, Hopefully he improves his plate discipline a little bit, but uh, I definitely have concerns. I just feel like it's going to get extremely painful, you know, once teams can look at the tape and and know how to pitch him, and you'll probably see him completely lost at the plate at some point. I hope I'm wrong because I, I like the kid, but – that's pretty I mean eight strikeouts is is pretty bad. Tony Gwynn struck out like fifteen times in one whole season once and and Dahlbeck <laughs> just did half of that over half of that against the Miami Tony Marlins. Gwynn would have an aneurysm if he saw today's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. 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 He was I was he the the best hitter of the last quarter century? You know, I, I yeah, I think so. I mean, I, who else? Boggs maybe just Peter Hitter. Yeah, um, Pete Rose, I think maybe. Tony Gwynn was better. Yeah, yeah. I just Although, yeah, I think Gwynn was the best. Yeah, and the and the you know later you know 
third of, of that century for sure, yeah. Didn't he not strike out against, like, Greg Maddox or something? Like, he had some crazy stats <laughs> about, like, these Hall of Fame pitchers he faced and that just never came him. Yeah. I just – you could come up with stuff all day on him. It's just unbelievable. But, all right, uh, Jason, who is your dud for the series? So admittedly, this is really mean. But I went, <laughs> it is. It's I, savage. I went, with, uh, it's, I went with Mike Kickham. Um, the, this guy sucks. Jeez. Hey, I mean, he two and two thirds. He threw sixty-one pitches. Gave up six runs. Gave up an absolute missile to Jorge Alfaro, who only had one home run going into that game. Um, this guy just doesn't have anything, and. Like I said, it's it's really mean for me to pick him as a dud, but he just sucked in that game. He he gave them no shot right out of the gate. And I think my bigger frustration really is like, okay, I get it. We have a very thin pitching staff. We're just trying to find anyone off the street to come in and give us, you know, five, six innings, whatever. Could you find anyone? You couldn't find anyone better than Mike Kickham, who has been out of baseball for the last five years and sucked five years ago too. So like, I don't know what they thought magically changed over the last five years when he was doing whatever he was doing. So my bigger frustration is like, if you want to bring in guys off the street and you want to just take a flyer on guys, that's fine. Don't take a flyer on the 29 year old with a career ERA over 10. That just, that's never going to work. I would have rather they take a flyer on, you know, Aaron Sanchez or a guy like that who might actually still have some promise. This guy just has nothing. He was Charlie's stud on Sunday show because he had eight strikeouts. And I said that he looks like Tim Lincecum, you know, because of his hair. But it went <laughs> in the toilet for sure uh, in this series. Um, he wasn't walking anybody. So, I mean, he was just all over the plate and they were finding him and and you know just wasn't good and i guess another option could be chris meza but he's been knocked around here and there as well so um but i just i think they really wanted a, another look at him you know following that eight strikeout performance um in the previous series so de- definitely a dud this time around all right andrew thoughts on Kickham? Yeah, it's kind of awkward. You have him as a dud. I have him as my second stud. Can't <laughs> win these games, guys. Come on, we need him. We'll kick him. Uh, performance. Oh, I'm did, Miami did do, right now. Yeah. It'd be devastating. He did contribute very well to the tanking effort. Oh, I'll give him that. Yeah, he is a company man, and for that, I salute him. <laughs> uh, that's great. We're just all over the road with kick him, uh, but yeah. <laughs> My um, my dud, I mean, there, there really wasn't a lot to pick from here. Um, but I went with Valdez. He, he gave up two runs today. Um, he ha- had a bad series against Toronto, which is really the only other points that he's really looked bad this year. He gave up four runs and then three runs in that one. So add two more today. Hopefully he just kind of, you know, they just kind of figure him out. He kind of looks rough around the edges, but, you know, they can kind of mold him into that, you know, seventh inning guy or whatever. 
And one thing, though, that I heard, I can't remember if it was WEI or Nesson, but they asked Christian Vasquez who stood out to him, you know, on the pitching staff this year. And I guess right away he said Phillips Valdez. So, um, so he's impressed him a little bit. So we'll just kind of see. But, but you know, it was a solid, uh, you know, pretty solid, you know, pitching throughout the series. I, I forgot Evaldi in the honorable mentions. He he looked really good. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he looked really good today. Five innings, no walks, seven strikeouts, uh, no earned runs. And, you know, I, he, I'm not a big fan of his contract. And It's know. not going to look that bad after the season, though. It's really manageable. Um now that we're getting into the last half of it. I just, it's just managing his health, I guess, is the, you know, the thing I'm really pessimistic about. I mean, if they design a, you know, a program where he, they're like, listen, you know, 100 to 120 innings max, that's all we're going to do with you in the season because we want you in October. And so, I mean, maybe they just pitch him till sale comes back and then they just kind of use him as sparingly as possible uh, after that to, to keep him healthy. But I don't know. I mean, you could come up with scenarios all day long, I guess with him, but I just feel like he's automatically going to be on the DL for four to six weeks out of every season at a minimum. Yeah. Tradable contract maybe though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. His contract doesn't, I mean, it looks more manageable. It also looks more tradable. So, and unfortunately, him ending up on the IL in a shortened season uh, doesn't help because I was kind of hoping and praying that just for once he would avoid the IL in a shortened season so that other teams go, oh, look, he can stay healthy. Um, But his contract is more manageable. So, you know, he, he still had a pretty good year when he was out there and I think you definitely, definitely explore trade options for him. Um, you'd be foolish not to. Well, here's and whoever the... loses out on the, I mean, only a couple guys that are at the top of the market. Got a right-hander that throws 100. <laughs> well, here's the thing, and I guess we can just kind of transition right into it. Bloom said uh, earlier in the week that – he, the Red Sox are going to be aggressive this winter with finding, you know, better pitching. So I don't know if that's the free agent market. I don't know if that's aggressive trades, which I kind of hope not because, you know, we need to keep as many of these major league ready guys as we can, you know, for depth and keeping the payroll down and sustainability and all that. But, um, but that that's what he was on record as saying, and I think that that basically tells us they are a hundred percent committed to winning next year. Because a month ago we weren't so sure; we were thinking maybe a couple year rebuild at this point. But I, I think they're going for it next year, based on you know, based on that interview. Yeah, you know, if we're gonna go with the free, are we, are we doing this? Can I go into it? Or yeah, Are we in this segment? Yeah, good. Go ahead. Okay. Then I'm going to really make some people mad. I, I th- think you're going to see a guy coming from the Mets 
And I think you know where uh, I'm going with no, that. No, no, no. Don't no. you dare. Well, who, else, who else are we going to sign? Who else would they pay for? Do you want it to be James Paxton? Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. I would. Uh, Marcus Stroman, yeah, guy that's absolutely. on the DL a ton. He's going to command so much money, and you're just going to watch him rot away. People are going to hate him. Oh, no. You, you and, are, he, you're going down David Price Boulevard again with Stroman. The fans are going to hate that guy, and he's not going to handle himself well. I don't care about well. the fans. <laughs> I don't care about the damn fans. I mean, they – who else are we going to do? I, I'm looking at this right now. I'm looking at all the available starting pitchers. And once you get past, uh, uh, what's his name, on the Reds, God, why am I drawing a blank on this? amazing. Bauer. Yeah. Bauer, yeah. who's only going to sign a one-year deal, which how what, what good does that do when you're losing a draft pick? Who else are you going to do? I'll take. I'll tell you what. I'll take two old left-handers. Give me John Lester and even bring back forty-one-year-old Rich Hill. I don't care. Oh, I'd rather take those guys yeah. because at least they're good pitchers. Marcus Stroman stinks. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's that good. I'm just saying he's a guy that's going to be give you a couple couple innings each year and maybe only have to sign him to a two-year deal since no one has any tape of him this year and you know he was coming off an off an injury where. I don't think the price is going to be too high. And I I don't know. I I love Trevor Bauer, but I don't want a guy for one year. I mean, yeah. Maybe you can talk him into multiple years. I I don't know, but I He's like... He's got a deal. What, he has to give his buddy like a ton of his contract if he ever signs a multi-year deal or something? Oh, does he? I forget about that. Yeah, he made like a promise to a friend. Now he just does one-year deals. Maybe he can renegotiate that or whatever. But I don't think we're giving enough love to John Lester. And I know he's been up and down this year. I know he's going to be, I think, 36, maybe even 37 next year. Wait, uh, who was that? Sorry, cut out for a second. Who was that? John Lester. Um, oh. And mm-hmm. I, But look... Look what they've been doing with the guys we mentioned earlier. I just I can see John Lester being very serviceable in in that rotation. And as far as leadership goes, you probably already have that with with Chris Sale. You know, for the the kids to kind of rally around. But um, I I think I think Lester is gonna get his option declined. Obviously, they're I mean. It would have to be the drunkest GM move of all time to re-up him. Uh, I think he's going to get that declined. He's going to sign for one year, like $5 million, and that's going to be a swan song in Chicago. He said there's no place he'd rather be. Uh, He wants to get his 200th win there, and um, he said he hopes it happens. And that was on Twitter today. Well, he's got a $10 million buyout, too, that they're going to have to cover. They'll they'll give it to him because it's – it would still save them like eleven million dollars at the end of the day. Uh, I just think that this is a good. And don't get me wrong; I'd love to have Lester back. I would. I'd love to see him back. I think ownership would love to be able to score points with the fan base by kind of making that right. You know, from several years ago, and we got our World Series just like he got his, but I just, I just think he could be very serviceable, and the health is is never an issue with him 
At, at 37 but, years old, he's going to go 200 innings and double what Do you Evaldi think he wants it. to face the AL East lineup next year? Do you th- like? Do you think that's how he'd want it, his last swan song to go out with an ERA in like five and a half? It's a murderer's row out here. It's a tough I division. I, yeah, I I think Lester's got that kind of bulldog mentality, though. I don't think he would care. I you think, don't think if, so. No, I I think if the Cubs let him go, and you know the Red Sox are serious about bringing him back and saying, "Hey, you're going to go right into the rotation," and you know, let's go, let's let's make a run at it. I now, granted, there might be better offers from better teams, so he might not come here. But if it's his only option, and we're saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're we're not." going to tank we're going to compete you know while we rebuild i feel like he would come back i feel like he'd compete i don't think he'd be scared I think, um i i think i think he pitched here long enough to know what it's all about so yeah and but i think boston would be his first choice outside of chicago money aside oh, i agree yeah i don't think he's gonna go to a rando new city here's another potential option and this is kind of an outside the box thing He's having a terrible year, but I think that's what makes it very viable is is Jake Odorizzi. He's been yeah. on the DL a couple of times, and I think this would be just an opportunity to bring him in for like a one-year prove-it deal, and there's some familiarity there with Bloom. Maybe you put him on our program and – you, you know, you could get a very good year out of him. And he did have a pretty good year last year. And he took that qualifying offer because he knew he knew his free agency would be limited because of the draft pick. You know, teams would stay away from him. So he took the, the qualifying offer one time. They weren't going to be eligible to attach that to him this year. But um, I just think that could be a... You know, a low risk, high reward guy. I would certainly do that over Strowman. <laughs> and yeah. And I'll also say this about Minnesota. I'm not sure that they really have a great program out there because I think Barrios would be a stud, you know, if he was in Houston, LA, Tampa, even, you know, uh, you know, teams that have a very good established pitching program. I'm not sure Minnesota is really the place to to really develop these guys to their to their maximum potential. We haven't we haven't really seen a a stud pitcher come out of there in quite some time. You know, much yeah, like the, the Red Sox. Box too. Yeah, true. And they they did lead the league in home runs last year. Uh, the Twins did, you know, thanks to their stadium, but. Um, but yeah, I just, so that, that's just another kind of outside the box option. Okay. Let me, let me throw one your way. Okay. Guy didn't play this year. How about Corey Kluber? If I, we're going to go like, he was on the, route. he's on he my list. Command, he can't command any money next year. Right. Yeah. Sign him to a deal that, you know, you're guaranteed to make the roster or else you can get released by X date and, uh, just incentives left and right in there. I think you're you're safer to go with with Lester, really, just because you know the like I said, the health is not going to be a factor. Uh, Kluber had a shoulder injury this year, and shoulders. But why not both? I think you're going to need a couple. Oh, you, I, well, we don't know where we're going to get it. 
out of Eddie Rodriguez. This has never been done before, where a guy has heart issues for a year, doesn't do any physical training, and then has to come back and pitch. We we, we don't know what that's going to look like. They're going to need several starters. Well, they mentioned that today, and that's true. I mean, I'm still more cautiously optimistic that Erod will probably be fine. They they might have to, you know, work him in slowly. Um, so I I mean yeah, Kluber is an interesting is an interesting uh, you know option if his shoulder recovers. Now shoulders are a lot more trickier than oh, yeah. elbows are. You know, elbows are very you know very simple. You know, as far as how they're constructed. You know, shoulders you got tons of you know, muscles, ligaments, and and dudes don't always recover. So, um, but he he was my favorite pitcher to watch in the in the 2016 postseason. You know, when the Indians had that deep run, and and um, I would take a flyer on him. But yeah, I would love to. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of miles on him. So we'll see. Um, I mean, that's I, what the whole class is. Honestly, it's not. Yeah. You know, I need a 26 year old. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so that's the thing. Like, forget about getting younger if you're going to go free agency because the youngest guys on this list are like 28 years old. And it's, you know, it's the likes of like Taiwan Walker and, you know, guys like that. Um, mm-hmm. I I would also be intrigued by Oda Rizzi. That was a guy that I sort of pinpointed on that list because he's pitched in the AL East before, he's pitched in the American League his whole career. Um, and I think even though he's been hurt this year, he was good last year. He's got good stuff. Um, and he's 31. So, you know, he's not like, he's not ancient. I mean, he's still got, a, you know, some good years left on him. Um, the one guy that I would pick on this list that I think will piss everybody off is because I think he's going to get bought out because um, he's got a 250K buyout as opposed to an $11 million club option. He didn't pitch this year, but he's going to come back healthy. He has experience in the AL East. I I would go for Chris Archer. (laughs) Yep. Because, look, he's going to get bought out. The Pirates are stupid if they pick up his $11 million option. And he, I don't know, like, I still feel like he's got a little something left. I think that he would revel in coming back to the AL East and, you know, pitching for, like, a contending team. I think he's got something to prove, so why not? And if you know he works out well, High and Bloom got a goddamn king's ransom last time for him, so <laughs> I love to see it. How did he get Meadows and Glass now for him? Like unbelievable. That probably had to have been a huge factor uh, of their GM getting fired before Sherrington went in there. But um, just one of the worst trades ever. Like I wouldn't have, if if I was a contender, I wouldn't have touched Archer. No. I, I would take him, I, you know, because Strowman's sitting there, I would take anybody over Strowman except David Price. I wouldn't take him back from the Dodgers. But, um, but yeah. And I think Taiwan Walker could be more interesting than you think. I mean, he can't be the one guy. He would probably be the second guy if you do pursue more than one. But um, he's been okay with uh toronto and didn't didn't get killed uh against the yankees 
in that outing uh, last week. So, um, yeah. Jay Happ also, but I don't think we want him. Nope. Uh, no. Yeah. His... I have Tanaka before I got him. Tanaka? You don't want him? <laughs> no, I'm saying before I took Happ. Oh, yeah. I think Tanaka will stay in New York and they'll – you know, yeah. they'll part ways with Paxton probably. He's not pitch anywhere else in, in the States at least. Yeah. And Paxton, isn't he out with an elbow issue? Yeah. He went on the 45 day DL. Yeah. So he, who knows mm-hmm. what, if he's even going to be viable. Yeah. One of the things that's kind of shitty is I, I think it happens every year is, and, and maybe even sales, a good example, actually, they, typically know in the fall that okay these guys are probably going to need tommy john but let's rest him and start him in spring training and hope for a miracle and then the miracle never happens and then they have tommy john in march and then so it's just all that much more time wasted you know if if sale would have had the surgery in september he's ready for opening day basically you know and and people would say, well, you know, Dr. Andrews, you know, didn't recommend it. I'm like, well, I mean, I just, I don't know if I believe that. They can never tell you to get surgery before it's the last resort. Like, they're never going to be like, you know, they, they like legally cannot tell you to get the surgery when you don't absolutely need it. So obviously James Andrews is going to say no right away, but well, I think you can push him in the right direction. I, I think it's he. It can be presented as an option, though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, and and Sale had multiple opinions, at least two. And so when he went for the second one, and then they said he didn't need Tommy John, I was even even more skeptical. But but yeah, so so we'll see. I mean, you just never know. I I wouldn't touch Paxton with a 10 foot pole. Basically, I guess no, is what no, I'm getting at. Absolutely not. Yeah, someone's no. going to, someone's going to give him four years. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's four years, then you're going to get three out of him. But if you're, if you're hoping to contend next year, I don't touch him because you, you're probably not going to have him. You know, I, I mean, I'm assuming, I guess he's going to have Tommy John. I, I, I can't be positive of that, but I mean, that's what it, it certainly looks like. Um, yeah. So, and then another thing with Evaldi, though, I think the thing that makes him a tough trade is if Bloom's on the phone, you know, trying to acquire pitching, whether he's talking to agents or other front offices for, you know, trading for pitching. Why is he trading Evaldi? How is it? How is how is he going to sell Evaldi as a good sell if he's essentially looking for Evaldi? You know. Hmm. Well, so. I mean, the only way you could do it is if a team with pitching rich prospects, you know, wanted to move for him because they thought, you know, we can win this year, and then you turn around and flip him, flip said prospects. But that's really the only way I could see it being done. Yeah, I mean, I I want to trade him. I was so mad when they signed him, and then it came out it was a four year deal. Yeah, uh, that sucked. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, listen to episode one hundred two, and me and the previous co hosts were like really intensely arguing about it. Um, but anyway, uh, so let's see. Okay, so it got announced. Uh, either yesterday or the day before that spring training games will start 
February 27th. So that's optimistic, I feel like. I don't think it's impossible, but it's a giant question mark right now uh, with the virus. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like getting and- too political on here, but you have Trump saying, you know, October, November, December, maybe. And then, you know, with the vaccine and then you got the CDC, Dr. Fauci, I don't know what the WHO is saying, but they're saying, well, no, more likely the middle of next year is when it'll be widely available. So I just, it it all comes down to, are they going to be able to have fans in the stands or not? Because if the answer is no, we're not getting 162 games again, especially after they all got killed this year financially. So, and... I don't think you have to worry about spring training fans. I mean, it's just a bunch of d- day drinking Floridians, anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they can skip out on one year and just fall asleep in their like pool house for a little bit. When we have to worry about it, even if you have to skip April, and then you can get into May because there's your half a year essentially. Let's just like I think that's kind of gonna be a better target point for him don't worry about spring training that's stupid don't need that risk it's dumb it's you're playing northeastern like come on (laughs) just worry about you know month two and on yeah i just i don't know i mean i mean they'll have to have fans right away though in april and that's really what i meant i wasn't really talking about spring training but but if they start you know, February 27th and, you know, you're expecting fans to be in the stands for April and you're seeing it, you know, at sporting events right now. And you, yeah, it didn't go that well though. (laughs) Well, I guess Kansas city had a problem this weekend, I think. Yeah. It was the first one, (laughs) but, but I mean, NASCAR, it's, it's a lot easier to space them out because of the style of, of seating they have. But, but you, you've seen it there. Miami had some type of event where they allowed like 10,000 fans in. Um, so I just. But have you seen the size of the seats at Fenway? You can put nine seats in between two people and still a foot away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fat person, so. <laughs> yeah. I... Well, and, and as far as Boston's concerned, Walsh has been very much like, we're not letting fans in period like he's been very against the idea of having fans at any sort of live sporting event so i don't know what the rest of how you know the rest of the states will do it but if baseball wants to press forward like that i feel like boston's going to be one of those cities where we start out with with no fans or with extremely limited capacity because i think walsh is just gonna he's gonna resist that the whole way well if that's the case you know every single year Boston pays all these damn teams God knows how much money because they're in small markets, and I'm making air quotes here, like, you know, St. Louis, the Rockies, and all these other teams that pack their stadium. So they can put more money into the uh, into the pool this year, and maybe the Red Sox can get some of that revenue. They might have to get creative like that. It's just, I mean, and the other thing you can hope for is maybe the virus just isn't strong at that point. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a tricky, you know, situation still. And the other elephant in the room though, too, is 
we're we're kicking around all these names like we just did from Kluber to Bauer to Lester, Odorizzi, Stroman, all these names. I don't know how quickly these teams are going to be wheeling and dealing cash for these guys well, either. They did announce that they're going to have the GM meetings this year, though. That's still going on, so that's good. Yeah, that's in November. Because I think without that, then we would have been looking at just three months of crickets. Yeah. Well, the the GM meetings are in November, and then the winter meetings are in December. And the winter meetings is usually where the, most of the action is. Um, the Scott Morris Invitational. Yeah, exactly. When he kind of like holds court there in the lobby of whatever hotel they're in. Part of the Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> and says how J.D. Martinez is going to be a gold glover in right field for the Rockies next year or whoever. Um, that, I'm sure that will be Blackman. But, um, but yeah, so I just – there's just a million uncertainties here. and But here's another thing too. COVID isn't really a thing right now in MLB. Just last week, there were 14,000 tests done on essential personnel, non-essential personnel. And, and I'm sure, you know, that 14, those 14,000 tests were probably just two or 3,000 people being tested multiple times. But, but only one positive, and it, it was a non-essential person. And... When was the last person who tested positive? I think it was the well, the umpire the other night. Oh, but player wise, I don't think we've had really any. Was there a Giants player? But they weren't sure if it was positive or not. It was a it might have been false. But yeah, they they've definitely done a better job uh, avoiding it than I thought they were going to, and and than I think anyone thought they were going to after week one in Miami. <laughs> Yeah, but but the NBA, I mean, nobody's failing there. No, you know. Well, they're they're all. I mean, they can't leave their rooms. Oh, true. I guess. Um, we'll see. Yeah, the bigger test is going to be uh, the NFL, which we're a week and a day into the season, and no one's uh, tested positive, which is really good. Especially, you know, guys spitting on each other in the trenches for sixty minutes and yeah, tra- travel. I, well, I was going to say, and it, it's actually. It's funny that baseball is doing so well because, like, I remember when they the season first started and all the rules came out, and one of them was like no spitting, no celebrating, all that. That went out the window pretty yeah. fast because yeah, we got like two days of that. Oh my god! Like, I I saw Zhu Wei Lin come into the game today. He must have spit like five times on his way out to the outfield, and I mean, it's just so the fact that they're still doing that well is impressive. Yeah, so I just don't know how scary the virus can be i mean we haven't seen anything previously you know be that strong that far into it so um yeah and and one more thing to consider too especially you were talking about the winter meetings being in december we might have a whole new political landscape in december i mean you know don't forget we have a we have a big election coming up so like who knows? We might be under a whole new leadership that has a whole new approach to the virus, or we might be under the same leadership that just wants to open things wide open again. So we have no idea what December is going to look like in terms of, you know, who's calling the shots. Yeah. We're in dangerous territory because I'll go in raging Trump mode. But 
Um, <laughs> I don't know who's going to win the election. Let, let me say that I, I'm not. I'm not delusional to say that Trump's definitely going to win, or you know, is isn't even the underdog right now. But but I, if Biden gets in, that's if you're a sports fan, that's kind of scary. <laughs> I, I yeah, just that think, could actually be bad news if you're a sports fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just feel like the restrictions will get really heavy, possibly. But um, but we'll see. The, the The election is definitely a wild card for sure <laughs> as far as what paths get taken, you know, um, once November goes. And, and there's a theory that, the you know, COVID is the election infection too. And I'm not saying that I'm in that camp, but... Um, but it's just, what a weird, what a weird time to be alive. Um, Mm. yeah. So, um, super briefly, Renneke wants to manage. Are are you guys still at 0% on that? I mean, I don't want him back, uh, (laughs) not at 0%, but I mean, there's a lot of things I want in the world too, Ron, but but I don't know. (laughs) I don't think he's done a bad job, but he's not a five, six year solution. I, I hate going year to year with these things. He's no spring chicken, not to be an ageist, but let's get young blood. I, well, so I'm not at zero. Sorry. I, I, I'm not at zero percent. Um, I don't mind if he's back unless, you know, unless they have someone waiting in the wings, you know, a younger guy, like you said, Andrew, that, that they like, then they then he should get the gig. But if they don't, and there's just no other options, then why not? You can do a lot worse than Ron Renneke for another year. I'd rather they do that than bring in some idiot, you know, who doesn't know what he's doing, like a Chris Woodward or, you know, what some of these other teams have done. So I'm not at zero, but we'll see. Here's my exact percentages. I'm 50% with Matt Quatrero, the bench coach for the Tampa Bay race, who was connected to talks, you know, last uh, February. 50% chance him. I'm going, I was at 25% with with Renicky. I'm at a 40% chance he'll be back. So less likely than Quatrero, but I'm saying 40% chance. Renicky, I'll say I'll say nine percent chance Alex Cora, one percent chance Jason Veritek. Those are my percentages: fifty Quatrero, forty Renicky, ninety Cora, one percent Veritek. If it's Veritek, then my chances of them, my percentage chances of them getting a major free agent are zero, and that is a move to appease the fans. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I I posted a link on onto some Facebook groups and I, I just I really do that to kind of get the groups familiar with me and maybe you know when I post the podcast links they'll you know they'll get curious and give us a listen but um but just so many people would say Veritech like just the homerism and the lack of imagination uh, you know with your casual Red Sox fan is just mind-boggling right now. Oh, oh yeah. Terry, you, 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 three choices. What would it be? Uh, Veritech, 
it would be Nixon, and then what? Bring back Terry Francona, I think, would be the top <laughs> three by uh, the Pink Hats right now. Yeah, you should hear these people Johnny when they call. Gable. Yeah, like when they call into the radio, when, when this topic comes up, it's like, yeah, Veritech for manager. Let's get Pedro to be the pitching coach. Let's get, you know, let's get, uh, yeah, Nixon to be the bench coach. And then let's see, they Kevin need a hitting Millar's coach. First base. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, let's bring back Euclid to be the hitting coach because he was a really good hitter. Like, it's, yeah, you're right. The lack of imagination is is stunning for some people. Yeah, and that that just speaks to them being casual, but which is fine, you know, I mean, some of our audience probably is casual, but that's what we're here to do is to, you know. Taking shots at you people. (laughs) We're here to kind of bring in some serious, you know, candidates and analysis and whatnot. Uh, Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned Pedro, and he says that, you know, Sixto Sanchez kind of reminds him of him so much. Yes. And can, I, I was a huge critic of this trade i thought the phillies did a bad job getting real muto for what they gave up for only two years of real muto that's really the sticking point for me for only two years of real muto they gave up sanchez and i guess he had an injury history so that probably factored into why they were comfortable moving him but i mean matt clentak might be a bottom five GM, I think, in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they get rid of Ruben Amaro, and then they get this crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was unbelievable. Yeah, um, and they're going to lose Real Muto for, for nothing yeah. after all that. And, and they're pitching, like, I don't know, their pitching pipeline doesn't look great. So and Don't look now, but, uh, yeah, our boy uh, Matty Barnes, or Brandon Workman, uh, yeah, not a great outing tonight. You'll see that in the box score uh, tomorrow. Sometimes that when I do catch that, I, I love to go to their mentions, you know, under their he result. Let a home run yeah, they, they'll, they'll, you know, crucify that whole deal. And that one kid we got, Siebold, you know, what if he turns out to be a stud? That's <laughs> just going to be good in the alternate site. I don't know if you guys have been watching any of that. Pavetta has not. Uh, I will say that, but Seabolds looked pretty solid. Oh, Pavetta hasn't looked good. No. Oh, I thought I read otherwise. <laughs> yeah, he has not been that great down there. Um, they did just manage to push his service time uh, by a year, so they could bring him up any time now. Uh, and he is a year more delayed in free agency, so it's past 2024. So that's pretty good. Um, actually, now they mentioned Seabold, I don't know if you guys saw this quote from Bloom the other day. It might have been during the same interview. But he said that there's still prospects in Pawtucket who could help uh, help us win games now. He said, yeah, uh, there's one guy in particular I can think of we've been building towards, hopefully getting him an opportunity before the end of the year. We'll see as we go down the stretch, but there's one guy that stands out. So I'm really curious to see who that's going to be. Um, I don't think it's Duran. I feel like they would have brought him up by now, uh, and I don't think they want to bring him up. Um, but if it's a Brian Mata... Uh, that's my guess because I don't think they would have. I don't think he would have said that about P- Pavetta. I think he would just flat out said Pavetta by name. Yeah, and I was totally thinking pitcher anyway when you said that. Um, yeah, 
That's interesting. Or maybe Jeter Downs. Who knows? No, don't do that. Don't don't start the mm-hmm. clock. Um, yeah. Oh, and a fun fact. You know what Pavetta's middle name is? Oh, <laughs> no. I saw this on your Twitter earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's two. It's two names the way he has it, but John Carlo. So we finally got him, guys. I've been wanted for 15 years. Got, got Giancarlo. Yeah. So I will see. And I guess Pavetta is going to start uh, next week at some point. Is so, he really? Uh, that's bring him I, up? I think that's what I thought I saw was going to happen with him. That's why I was kind of surprised when you said he, he didn't look good. But yeah, no, he's been getting he's been getting hit around. It's like one of those things you watch these, you're like, oh, what a bomb they ain't. Ah, shit. That was off a Sox pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) What do I even root for here? What do we need? Hitting or pitching? Yeah, Casas is probably going to mangle him at some point. Oh, I love it. Yeah, he'll be up next year for sure. All right, I'm uh, pulling the matchups up right now. Have they announced any pitching matchups yet? I was trying to look for that earlier. Oh, they haven't. Nope. I know. Well, I do know that they said how. I remember Eckersley said something about that yesterday because he was like, oh, the only thing better would be with a full house or something like that. So I assume that's Sunday night. It's actually a 107 game, which is kind of a bummer because that interferes with. Well, it's called Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Well, good for the Red Sox because the Pats play on Sunday night, so the ratings would be like zero oh. one. Okay, all right. I didn't realize that. Who are the Pats playing? Seattle, allegedly. Oh. We'll see because the whole West Coast is literally on fire, oh, and they just moved the Mariners series for this weekend. So, yeah, I'm not too sure what that's uh, gonna gonna look like. Right. So yeah. according to according to MLB, it's Perez tomorrow, TBD Saturday, Hulk on on Sunday. Nice. Okay. Good. We want to see Hulk against this lineup? Where the Yankees just set a record for uh, most consecutive games with six plus home runs. So they're raking again. Um, they're as healthy as they ever will be at this point, uh, lineup wise. So it'll be a good challenge for them. Hopefully, these guys don't get a hold of that slider. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really really excited to watch that game on Sunday. Yeah, uh, actually, ESPN has them up. All right, so here we go. Uh, Mike Mark, or is it Jordan Montgomery? I get them mixed up. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. he's who's been pitching very well actually lately. So he'll be up against uh, Perez in Game One. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Happ will be the uh, starter against our TBD. And then uh, a very interesting matchup. I'm definitely watching this game over anything now. It's official. Uh, Davey Garcia will be up against Ooh. Tanner Houck. So that okay. that's a very futuristic uh, matchup because Garcia's looked very good in two outings. He's had yes, a, yeah. immense run support too, but – um, but yeah, and so we'll we'll see what happens, and and we gotta win at least one. We can't live the rest of our lives knowing that we did not win a game in 2020 against the New York Yankees. All right, then let it be Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that now. 
Uh, secretly, I'm a NASCAR fan, and they're they're having their playoffs. Actually, but those are Saturday nights, so I guess I'm I'm in the clear for Sunday. Now that I You're free. I think about it, yeah. My Cowboys are probably a 4 p.m. game. I'm guessing, but what? Yeah, I forget I said that. Um, Gross. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's I, but I have to be. I mean, you guys are a little bit younger than me, I think, but. But in the 90s, those starter jackets were, like, the coolest things, you know. And Oh, I remember those, but I still had a Pats one. Come on. Yeah, well, I had a Dallas one, and I would get the <laughs> shit kicked out of me every day on the playground because that, that was their heyday, you know, yeah. fourth through, through yep. sixth grade, and I'd get just absolutely hammered on, you know, because no one had ever seen the Patriots win one at that point. Um, but, yeah, so I, I got to stick to them and um, – you know, they got McCarthy now, which has to be an upgrade over Garrett. I mean, Garrett's like the John Farrell of of football coaches, you know. And Yeah, except John Farrell won a championship. He did, he did. <laughs> Garrett was so bad. And Jerry Jones is terrible. That's that's the real reason we can't win. Oh, he's the worst. Yeah. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully no one's offended by the football talk. But um but yeah. I'm excited. I'm. I can't tell you how excited I am. You know, Garcia versus Hauk. That's going to be like serious bragging rights. We're going to be able to go into the whole winter saying we got the best pitching prospect. You know, of the two organizations, if if you know, if we win that one, and we got some guys hitting really well right now. Verdugo, Devers wasn't hitting good. Uh, you know, either series when we played them. You know, he wasn't in a stride anyway. And, uh, you know, Martinez will strike out a bunch probably. But um, but I think we're in a, we're in a good spot, uh, you know, to face them. So, all right. Well, we went a little deep, but not, not too bad. Good show. Any final thoughts? No, just looking forward to Hauk. I think that's kind of going to be the highlights of my season right now. Yeah. Win at least one this weekend. Try and play spoiler. Yeah, if Toronto can start winning again, maybe maybe we can kind of make the race interesting. But, but yeah, I mean, Toronto really kind of went into the toilet. So did Baltimore. I didn't think they were going to get swept, or maybe they won one in that series. I can't remember. There's been so many doubleheaders that it's been messing with me. But, yeah, but either way, we'll uh, hopefully win one from them. So, all right, guys, have a good night. Yep. All right, see you. Episode 218 in the books. That was a fun show, and and, uh, I'm sure you guys all enjoyed it. We enjoy it, even though we're in last, uh, which is weird. But, but yeah. And uh, I probably should have mentioned, I'll probably start mentioning it at the start of the next handful of shows that we have left. We will be doing in-depth playoff coverage uh, throughout the month of October, myself and Charlie will be on every show, and then um, Jason will be with us for the National League shows, and then Aaron Graves will come off the bench to do the um, the American League show. So, so yeah, there you have it. I October is one of my favorite months, you know, because I I love playoff baseball regardless of whether the Red Sox are in it. So, so yeah. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll be back to record Sunday night for your Monday morning commute. Take care.